Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Smooth Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Mike J. Man, it's been a while since I hollered at y'all, man. A lot of stuff has went on. Eddie Hearn got the bag. You know, Triple G demolished off Monica Rosian. Hey, man, it's been some hell of a fights here lately. Oh, I forgot David Hay. He got retired by Tony Bellew. So it's been some it's good little scraps. But uh, I'm going to roll this episode, talk about, uh, give a little recap of uh, Lomachenko versus Linares. I'm going to talk about uh, Jaime Mangia versus Harf. I butchered his name, Salam Ali. We'll talk about uh, Devin Haney. He looked good the other day. Talk about uh, that Gary Russell, Joseph Diaz fight. Adonis Stevenson, Badu Jack for the light heavyweight championship. And we'll give our uh, smooth jab throwback fight fight of the week. So let's jump into it, man. So uh, let's talk about this Eddie Hearn deal before we get into the Lomos, uh, Linares, uh, Lomachenko fight. So Eddie Hearn got the... The eight-year, one billion, one billion dollar, like Austin Powers' voice, streaming deal with the Zone. Now they don't have a number in the, in the United States. They don't have the Zone in the United States. And I see people just like you know doing backflips over this. I didn't see that same energy when Al Hammond got PBC off the ground. And as a boxing fan, if I could see it for free ninety-nine, I'm always for that. So this is something. It'll be great. You'll be able to see these big-time fighters. But for me, it's another bill. So I'm curious to see. You know, if, you know, I know Eddie Hearn said he's aggressively going after. Guys that have promotional deals, so to me, that's like he's talking about getting PBC guys. So it'd be interesting if he's able to, you know, put his money where his mouth is and back up and really have the good fights on the zone. And I'm also curious how much the zone is going to cost over in America per month because you know you you start paying for Netflix, you pay for you however you stream your music and everything else, you just starts rolling, rolling up. And also this ESPN app, you know, which is 4.99 a month. You kind of a boxing fan. This gets quite, you know, quite expensive. So it'll be curious to see how that goes. So uh, next, man, let's talk about that uh, Lomachenko Linares fight. You know, Lomachenko, you know, he went and he won the lightweight belt from Linares. It was a hell of a fight. Uh, before we really get into it, I got to give Linares his props. I mean. I was correcting my, I thought he was going to get stopped. I thought it was moving from the cuts. I didn't think it would be from a body shot. But, uh, I mean, he was, Lenars, he showed me something in that fight. I've always knew he was very talented. He was, I always see those really good, beautiful combinations. But his footwork was really, really good in that fight. Because every time Lomachenko would pivot, which he was doing to guys like Nicholas Walters and uh, Rigondeau, and he was pivoting on Gary Russell, all the guys, he likes to pivot left and right and hit you with shots. Every time he would pivot... Lenora showed the footwork. He would pivot with him, and that would kind of protect himself from getting hit with those body shots, which ended up happening later, but that's neither here nor there. But, uh, yeah, so it just, you know, Lenora's really showed that he's one of the best one guys at 135 in the world, but, you know, Lomachenko was just at another level. But before I get into that, I mean, I love ESPN. You know, I, I like I like Timothy Brad. I liked him as a fighter, but, damn, they was, they were deriding Lomachenko. I mean, I understand it's a top-ranked show, and top-ranked has a deal, but, damn. It was just like you, they they did so much D riding that when he, they talked about more of that than what Lomachenko was actually doing in the ring. So I think for a fighter as great as Lomachenko is, you don't have to do all that. His skills are going to sell itself. But the constant, like, you know, you're talking more about him than about what's going on in the fight. But uh, getting back to the fight, um, it started off, you know, started off like I would thought it was. And one thing that surprised me with Lenaris is he fought from mid the from mid level action. I thought he was gonna fight since he had the longer arms and he's the bigger guy. I thought he was gonna fight from more of a farther distance and establish that jab more and let Lomachenko come to him. But he fought at the mid level, which I think put him in a disadvantage because Lomachenko has fast hands and his footwork is, you know, tremendous and he throws combinations. So 
I don't know if he, I know when he up to the fight, they said he was working on the power jab. I thought he would establish that more from distance to try to, you know, make Lomachenko come to him. But, you know, it was a hell of a fight. You know, both guys, you know, showed a true class, but Lomachenko to show that he's just at another level. And you could just tell he starts stepping on the gas. You know, even when they hit the busted up, you know, Lenar's in the face. And Lenar's, you know, dropped him with that uh that counter right hand. You know, this is the class rose to the top. And, you know, much props to Vasily Lomachenko. Now the big fight everyone's talking about. Granted, if Mikey Garcia beats Robert Easter, I think they fight in July, would be uh, Garcia and Lomachenko. I, for one, I say, I've been saying it for a while. I think Garcia beats him. I think he's too big. I think Lomachenko has reached his level at 135. And I think that Mikey, if he hits him with that right hand that, uh, that Lenara's hit him with, I think he can he can knock him out with that type of shot. The only difference is, you know, with Lenara's, he has he has the, the the better feet than Mikey. Mikey's a pretty basic fighter, but Mikey is has perfect timing. Well, not perfect, but you know his timing. He has the, he can close the distance, and he just he's very technical. So this would be an interesting fight if they fight. I'm not sure they're gonna fight. I know Bob Arum and uh, Mikey had the had the lawsuit a few years ago. Mikey sued to get off a of top rank, so. It'll be interesting if uh, if Mikey ends up uh, fighting Lomachenko. I'm gonna say Mikey, but uh, it looks like Lomachenko is gonna fight Ray Beltran next, and I think uh, Mikey's gonna fight uh, Robert Easter, which would be an interesting fight because Robert Easter, I think he's like a five eleven, I think he's five eleven or six foot as a lightweight. So it's gonna be interesting to see them fight. But I think both Lomachenko and Mikey will win. So hopefully they can go ahead. They have a chance to unify. You know, for for all the belts. Hopefully, maybe later this year or early next year. That would be a fan as a boxing fan. The fight as a boxing fan, I really, really want to see. Uh, you know, I'm always been a guy about skills. I mean, of course, I want to see Wilder and Joshua, but that's you know the heavyweights can it can be over quickly. But I'm I'm always been a guy who likes to watch those lightweights, welterweights, middleweights who really show the you know skills during the fight. All right, so the number I was uh, watching, those were good fights last weekend. And uh, Devin Haney, he fought really good. He fought Mason Menard, I think on Friday night. And he showed me, he, just, he busted him up. And by the third round, Menard was saying he was too fast. He couldn't catch up with him. So Devin Haney, I think, is going to be, you know, really, it's a good, really good prospect. I like him, uh, Mike Collin, uh, Mick Collin on uh, top rank, Shakur Stevenson. You know, those young guys, I really, you know, hopefully they'll get around to fighting one another, especially Conlon and Stevenson because they're right around the same the same weight division. So it'll be interesting to see going forward how those young guys develop. All right, so let's get to this uh, fight this weekend. Gary Russell Jr. versus Joseph Diaz. This is uh, going to be for Gary Russell's uh, featherweight championship. And, man, I think Gary Russell's one of the – honestly, I think he's the best featherweight in the world. I favor him against Lee Selby. Abner Mars, Leo, Leo Santa Cruz. But the issue with Gary Russell, I've always said, it's not the talent. I mean, he lost to Lomachenko, but there's really no issue with that. He took a beating, but, you know, he came back and has been winning his fights by knockout. It's the fact that he doesn't fight. He fights like once a year. I don't understand for a guy as talented as Gary Russell, for the fight once a year is criminal. He could be, you know, doing so much more with his career. So I don't know if it's his management, the lack of promotion, or what the issue is. Maybe he just only wants to fight once a year. But with a guy with his talent and skills, he should be fighting at least two or three times a year. But if he only fights once a year. He's fighting against Joseph Diaz. This is obviously a big step up in class for Joseph Diaz. I've seen him fight a few times on the Golden Boy shows. I just think that Gary Gary Russell, I don't think Diaz is not like a huge, huge puncher. 
So if he was a huge puncher, like, oh, okay, I think he has a you know a pretty good chance. But when you go in with a guy like Russell, who's a sharpshooter and really slick, and has you know has decent good power in those fast hands, I think he's gonna <clears throat> stop. He's gonna stop uh, Diaz probably maybe eighth or ninth round because you know Russell can put two, three, and four of them together and. And I don't think that uh, Diaz can land those two or three against Russell. So I'm predicting probably like an eighth round TKO. He's going to take him out. It's kind of hard. I'm surprised Golden Boy put uh, Diaz in with Russell. I know it's a title shot. I know Oscar sometimes like to match his guys hard, but I thought maybe he would he would wait, you know, to see what he can do. Another guy who fought really good last week, who I want to talk about and then we'll pivot, is uh, Jaime Mangig against Saddam Ali. And uh, that was a hell. Jaime Mangia, I had never heard of him. I don't, I'll take that back. I heard of him when they were supposed to fight Triple G and Nevada State Athletic Commission. They denied said, no, he's not going to fight him. And I didn't know how. I had never seen the guy fight. But when I seen him, I was like, damn, he's like the size of a. He came in the ring looking like a light heavyweight. He came in at 170. And that's it. Sadim Ali came in at 169. But Jaime was like put together like a 170. Like he looked like a really light, uh, a light uh, heavyweight or, you know, got a really big super middleweight. Where you know Saddam Ali kind of looked a little, a little soft around the midsection, and he's like a small guy at 154. He really should be fighting at welterweight, especially since he got knocked out by Jesse Vargas. Which I, I ended up losing money on that fight. I, I bet my lady to, on that fight to see, and she picked Vargas. I was like, oh no, nah, I got, I got Saddam Ali, especially first couple rounds. I ended up losing some money to her. So shows what shows what I know about boxing. That's a joke. I pretty, I love some boxing. Anyway. So that's you know that was he looked really good. So it's gonna be curious to see. He called. They said he wants to fight Charlo and Jared Hurd. I'm not sure if he's ready for those guys yet. He's only 21, and it'll be interesting to see how he would fight going forward against a guy who actually can hurt him back and who's near his size. Because you know I think Mike he was like six one, and you know he's and Saddam Ali's five nine. He's a small he's a small junior welterweight who's chinny. So. You know, it's interesting going against guys that can return fire who are actually, you know, big enough and strong enough to actually push you back in the ring. So that's what he's going to be an interesting guy going forward. So the big fight that I, everyone wants to talk about, Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack. And this is the fight that I've been talking on boxing Twitter uh, you know, it's been it's been one of those things. When I first heard the fight, I was like, man, I think I think Adonis is gonna knock him out. You know, that left hand is deadly, and it's now sneaky left hand too. But man, like over the last like probably month or so, I start really digging into the archives, and you know, I, I think you know, I, I think my pick is gonna change. But let's talk about the fight, and then I can give you my uh, pick at the end. So Adonis, he's 5'11", so obviously right now we're recording it. It's like about 3'10 Eastern time in the United States, so I haven't got the official weight. So this podcast will be out before they do the weigh-in. And he has a 77-inch reach. He's a southpaw, like I said. He has that really good left hand, and it comes out of nowhere. But the questions about uh, Stevenson is this going to be, is he going to turn old overnight? You know, it's one thing in boxing, you'll see a guy, he looks good in, in a previous fight, and then he's like to get old overnight. So that's always my concern with a guy, especially who's like 40 years old. Is he going to be old overnight? And also, that weak competition. Now, when Adonis, after he beat Chad Dawson, I think in 2013, he beat Chad, he beat Tavares Cloud, he beat Tony Bellew back to back to back. And, I think, you know, he was fighting his top competition after that. He kind of just chilled. I know he was supposed to fight Kovalev, so I don't know who's to blame. I don't know if it was, you know, it was a, it was a main event and the Al Heyman thing. 
But after since then, I think the best fighter he's fought is Thomas Williams Jr. And no offense to Thomas Williams Jr., I mean, he was landing some good shots on Adonis, but, you know, Adonis called him and stopped him. So that's one of those things that we'll, you know, definitely dig in through on the show. But Badu Jack, he's 6'1". So they were uh, at the press conference the other day. I didn't realize Badu Jack was 6'1". I always thought he was like 5'10". But, you know, he had definitely some height on Adonis. But he has a 73-inch reach, and Adonis has longer arms. And, you know, Badu's a good – Badu is just a workman. Good body puncher, gets in. Uh, he's gotten a lot better because I seen him, you know, when he when he got KO'd against uh, Derek Edwards. I was like, oh, man, this guy, I, I didn't think anything of him. I thought he would be done and finished. But for him to come back and, and be able to fight Darrell and uh, fight, oh, he fought Darrell, he fought uh, DeGale, he fought, uh, what else is his name? Sorry, George Grove, Lucian Boot, Nathan Cleverly. And he looked good in all those fights. So, you know, I, it's going to really, to me, it's going to be the keys to the fight is, I know sometimes Jack starts slow. He, the key, he's going to have to be able to get on the inside. He's going to have to be prepared to take one of those left hands because if he takes a shot like he took against Derrick Edwards, there's no getting up. I know when he got knocked down against Derrick Edwards, he took the shot, got back up. He still was just, you know, he still was still hurt. He just takes that one of those heavy shots from Adonis. He's not getting up. He's getting, he's getting knocked out. I don't know. Some people have been predicting, you know, early round KO for Adonis. But uh, the, the key for me is if he gets in, can he, can he outwork Adonis? Is he going to tire him out? Because those body shots he was hitting James DeGale with was damn near folding James DeGale over. And James DeGale hasn't been the same fight, same fighter since him and Badu Jack fought. So that's going to be the keys to the fight. Uh, I think personally my heart is going to say that, uh, that you know, they, I think he's going to hurt Badu Jack early. And Badu might have to get off the canvas. But if Badu weathers that storm, he's going to win by, I think he's going to win by decision. I think Badu's a little younger, fresher, and he's bought, fought better competition. And for a guy who hasn't really fought top competition since 2013, and that's Stevenson, for that guy, for, for I think Badu's just on a roll. He's in the zone right now. And I, I favor... And these close matches, I'm going to go with the younger guy who's fought better competition. So here on the Smooth Jab Podcast, I am going to I am say Badu Jack will be the new WBC light heavyweight champion. All right. So, you know, one thing I like on the Smooth Jab Podcast, I love to, like, watch old fights and talk about. So this fight, I watched uh, Buddy McGirt, who was a champ at the time at welterweight against, uh, against Pernell Whitaker. This is the first fight. You know, they fought twice. And this is the fight before, you know, Parnell Whitaker fought Chavez at 147. And it was a hell of a fight, man. Buddy McGirt was landing them straight right hands because Whitaker usually, you know, was pivoting and moving and everything. He fought, he fought Buddy McGirt straight up, was walking him down in the middle rounds, was tagging him with them left hands. And, you know, Buddy McGirt, he fought a hell of a fight. I know he came off that major shoulder surgery. But, you know, Parnell ended up winning this by, uh, by unanimous decision. But one of the funny parts after the fight, and I'm going to put the fight in the description of the episode, it was my man Lou Duva. Rest in peace, Lou Duva tried to swing on uh, Buddy McGirt's manager in the ring. So they had to, you know, yank Lou up and everything. So here come Pernell and, uh, and Buddy McGirt. They walking arm in arm and everything, and Lou Duva trying to snuff somebody. So all you seen was his belly pop up in there and him getting thrown back into the corner. So I thought that was funny. But I wanted to talk about Pernell Whitaker before one thing. I know everybody's talking about how great Lomachenko is. But what what do you guys think? Well, I'm going to put a poll up. Prime at 135, Shane Mosley cause against Parnell Whitaker at 135. So I'll put that up in the chat and during our uh, on the poll as far as when we uh, upload this episode. 
And uh, for this episode of the Smooth Jab uh, Podcast, you know, I'm your host, Mike J. Appreciate everybody for listening. And uh, definitely we'll talk next week about the results of uh, Blue Jacket Stevenson, Russell, and Diaz. So I'm out of here.